Welcome to HII Talking Points, a Huntington Ingalls Industries podcast. Twice a quarter, we'll sit down with HII leaders to discuss topics of interest in our company and industry. My name is Phoebe Doty, and today I'm talking with HII President and CEO Mike Petters about innovation and disruption. This is a topic that's gaining popularity nationwide, so today I'd like to break down what innovation and disruption mean for HII. So let's get started. Mr. Petters, we've heard talk about innovation and disruption throughout the industry and in our own company. First off, what does innovation and disruption mean to you? Well, Phoebe, thanks. Good to see you again. Um, Glad to be here and glad to have a chance glad to talk to about this. Glad to have you. So there's probably as many definitions of those words as there are people walking around saying them. Yes. And, and um, you know, I, I guess I would uh, uh, talk about, kind of put disruption in a category because it's probably very overused um, and um, everybody wants to be disrupted or, or to be disruptive. Uh, but I would argue that for us, we want to talk about disruption as something that would have not a one or two percent impact on what we're doing. We want, you know, disruption is not being two percent more efficient. Disruption is being forty percent more efficient, mm-hmm. or you know, it is it is a it's a major change in the way you're doing business, such that it results in. Um, uh, a, a tremendous change in efficiency or, uh, you know, and, and if you look at the things out there that are sort of the poster child, poster children of the of disruption, um, what those folks have done and typically is they figured out how to use up uh, some level of excess capacity in the system. So take Uber, for instance. They if you walk around your neighborhood at night, go walk the dogs, count how many cars are parked in the driveways. All of those cars now are available to Uber to be carrying people and creating value, right. all of them. So, so there is excess capacity in cars. Uh, Airbnb is another example of, you know, just around, same walk around your neighborhood, how many empty bedrooms are there in your, on your block? And, and those people have figured out how to take advantage of excess capacity. They've created a tool that makes that available to the market, and they have created a channel between the customers and, those, and that excess capacity to create great value. And they've done that, that and it is fundamentally disrupting. Uh, Uber is fundamentally disrupting uh, taxi service in big cities around the world. Uh, Airbnb is, uh, is disrupting hotels. And, um, and so for us, the question around disruption is what are those things that could disrupt our business and or what are those things that we can do that would disrupt, uh, you know, the way our customers do business or the way our or disrupt our competitors uh, in ways that create value for our shareholders. Uh, so to me, that's what it is. Disruption is a it's a major change, not a minor change. Right. So you mentioned, you know, 40 percent increase um, in efficiency. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. I would say that things are going very well for HII. Uh, Our stock price is high. Overall, we're performing well. The political climate seems to favor more growth. And we have a good relationship with our customer building a very specialized product. So with all that in mind, do we really need to be concerned with disruptive innovation? 
Yeah, what a great question. Actually, we we are in a phase where you're exactly right. Our relationship with our customers and our shareholders and our employees uh, and really the the taxpayers is as good as it's ever been in my career. Uh, and yet, that sort of sets the framework for why this may actually be a tougher challenge for a leader mm-hmm. than if uh, if things aren't going well. You know, when when you're in a place that's in crisis and you know that if you don't get it fixed, you might be out of business, it's not hard to get everybody motivated and focused uh, and off and doing those great things that are going to save the organization. You know, they talk about the burning platform. Uh, there are some leaders who say sometimes you have to set the platform on fire. Now, I don't espouse that as a way to do change because I think that leaders can actually lead uh, even in times where the platform's not on fire. You know, the fire preventers are, are a whole lot more valuable to the organization than the people that put out the, or- the fires when they happen. But we are in a place right now where everything's going so well we could be complacent. Right. And and my view is uh, now is the time for us to be less complacent than we've ever been. Uh, the world is changing around us, and and uh, every conference that I go to, uh, I hear s- other CEOs either bragging about how they use big data to change their business, or lamenting the fact that somebody else used big data or artificial intelligence or some other disruptive technology to impact their business. Mm-hmm. And so it's starting to look to me like either you are you are disrupting or you are being disrupted. And there's not there are very few people that I'm running into now that are in the middle there where neither of those are happening. So right. um, we will choose to be on the side of disrupting, and of and work hard not to be disrupted. And that's a that's a really tough leadership motivational challenge given that. You know, on the surface, everything looks like it's going okay. Right. So it sounds like we need to disrupt ourselves before someone else comes in. Uh, that's my view. Is we need to, we certainly need to have a clear view of how someone might disrupt us, um, and then we can choose to disrupt ourselves in that way, or we can find ways to, you know, to defend against that, if you if you will. Um, I think either of those are good strategies. Depends on you know what the disruption is. Right. So the products we build are quite specialized. So I would say that we have a risk adverse culture, partially due to that. Um, what advice could you give to employees who are trying to disruptively innovate but are facing potential hurdles? Yeah, I think uh, first of all, I, I'd like to take the the conversation broader than um, shipbuilding. I th- I think that we, by habit, kind of drop into a shipbuilding discussion because that's our our principal core historic legacy business. Uh, but you know, we have customers in all different branches of the services now, uh, pieces of the government that are not even in the Pentagon. And, um, and we have customers that are not even in the government. Right. And so we have, across the organization, we have people who are actively working this challenge. Um, I think actually we have some maturity uh, with this in certain parts of the organization that other parts of the organization could take advantage of. You know, I think our folks in technical solutions, uh, you know, the nature of that business, the, the f- 
the fractured or fractionalized market marketplaces that they're in, the way that they go to the market and the way that they compete, the hyper-competitive marketplace requires them to always be thinking about, you know, let's disrupt and not be disrupted. I think that, um, you know, we are actually disrupting the marketplace in shipbuilding today by our willingness to invest in capital mm-hmm. um, and by uh, the execution that we're seeing in our business across the board. I think that's, that's actually pretty disruptive to shipbuilding. Uh, given that, I think that anybody who has been in any part of that business recognizes that there's lots of low-hanging fruit that we could go and um, take advantage of and become more efficient. And because we're so large in those spaces, there's a whole lot of folks out there that are really interested in saying, you know, I don't need to build a ship, but if I could just do this piece of what they do, I can capture that value away from HII, and it could become the principal reason for my business. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that, uh, you know, again, you, you have to choose, do you want to be the disruptor or the disruptee? And, uh, and I think all of our leaders across the business in, in every part of what we do uh, will be choosing, should be choosing to be the disruptor. So technical solutions, just by the nature of how the business is set up, could be a little more disruptive than our shipbuilding. How do we transfer that over? Well, I think there's a, I think that goes both ways. I mean, I think there should be a demand from the shipbuilding side to say, show us what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a push from the technical solutions side that says, here's what we offer. This is if we can offer if we can offer this to that customer, we certainly can offer it to um, the, the people at, inside of our business. Um, you know, years and years ago, when I was a program manager, we were, and this goes back to the days when um, fiber optic was just going onto ships, and um, we had come up working with some other folks. We'd come up with an approach to have blown fiber through the ships to blow it instead of uh, trying to just put it in piece by piece. And it was pretty cool. And I remember a Navy program manager was really taken by what we were doing, but then he said, are you guys doing this in your facilities? Are you doing this in the new buildings that you're building? Mm -hmm. And when the answer was, uh, not yet, then he stepped back and says, well, if you're not doing it in your own buildings, why should I I do it for me? And so I think there's a, you know, this is one of those things where if we really think this is good for, if we have an, an approach, an idea, if we really think it's good for, our customers, it's going to be really powerful if we can demonstrate that it's been that good for us. Right. So that's kind of my view of it, and that is going to require a lot of collaboration. So you talked about fiber octaves. Can you name some other examples of disruption that you've seen in your own career? Uh, wow. Uh, modeling and simulation is a great one. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, uh, we began playing with uh, simulating the shipyard 20 years ago. Now we simulate the, all the flight decks. We simulate production. We've been able to take that tool and go to um, uh, other customers and show them how we might perform. We've been able to use it for planning. Um, I think the you know the digital uh, framework that we've created in our in our businesses. You know, 30 years ago everything was paper, mm-hmm. um, and you would send off a request for a report and the next day or the next maybe it'd be the next monday you would get the report it would be bundled 
and it would be sitting at the elevator as you came in, sitting on the floor there. And so there'd be 40 of these reports down there, and you had to find the one that was for you so that you could actually go through. And then you would manly, manually go through this report and find the stuff that you really needed. We're, we're so far beyond that now that, um, you know, the, we're, we're disrupting ourselves. You know, I would say we're innovating ourselves there, you know, incrementally. Um, you know, to get to a place where we're really going to disrupt ourselves is going to require a step ahead of, of those incremental changes that we've seen. In the past, you've talked about innovation as constructive failure. Can you elaborate on that and what it, how it applies to HII? Uh, sure. I mean, I think that, you know, any, any sort of uh, method or practice where you're trying to improve your understanding of what's going on or or the way you do business um, you're going to need to try stuff that doesn't work uh, you know one of the great one of the greatest uh, constructive failures was the discovery of penicillin mm-hmm. right I mean they weren't trying to find penicillin it just showed up in the in the you know in the little dish that they were working with and suddenly they found this stuff and they found out that it actually had some pretty powerful uh, effects um, you know, I was reading uh, a couple weeks ago about uh, some research being done around uh, MS, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the effect of the sun in MS, and these guys, the scientists did a very controlled experiment where they used sunscreen, and what they found out was that the sun had a little bit of an effect, but the sunscreen had a great effect. Well, they weren't expecting that either. And so I think that's, to me, those are constructive failures. I mean, you would say that their premise and their thesis of that experiment was not proven to be true, or at least not indicative of great things going forward, um, and and yet they had great success because that failure led them to another another direction. So um, I think the same thing happens in your business uh, when you try you know when you try certain approaches. The fact that you try something and find out that it doesn't work that's va- that's new value to the company. Now you know something that doesn't work. Uh, you didn't know that before, so that's valuable. Um, I, I, I've said it so many times. People now know that I say this a lot, but you know, if if every if you show me a baseball team where every runner is safe at home, I'm going to show you a team that is not scoring as many runs as they could. Mm-hmm. In order to score the maximum number of runs, you've got to have people get thrown out at home. You know, and and that's going to require some decisions, and you've got to support you know, decision makers who take chances and have runners thrown out at home. Now, you can't support them when they take, you know, bad ch- bad chances or unethical chances or things like that. But, you know, if it takes a perfect play to get this runner out at home and they come up with the perfect play and the runner's out, you don't fire the third base coach for that. Right. You know, you put it in the pocket, you learn from it, and you move on to the next game. So um, I, I think that that's, a, that's just a mindset and a culture of how you need to proceed. There are certain pieces of our business where we can never have anybody thrown out at home. You know, when it comes to personal safety or the nuclear safe, nuclear safety that we're involved with, I mean, it's pretty clear that there are some places where you just can't afford the consequence of having somebody be thrown out. Exactly. But that's not the whole business. That's actually a very small part of our business. And, and um, for the most part in our business, we have, the, we have wide latitude to take – uh, measured risk and, you know, and endure constructive failure. Excellent. 
Well, it sounds like you've given us a lot of uh, inspiration to look for innovation and disruption in our own workplaces. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, the point of all of this is uh, we're going to put some energy into this because um, uh, if, you're, if you feel comfortable, uh, you know, that's the calm before the storm. When you think everything is going right, that's a pretty good indication that you're about to get run over. And so we, you know, we got a lot of things going right for us. And so right now is the time for us to really buckle down and go find those things that are going to uh, disrupt this company or allow us to disrupt other business. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, our, that's our approach. Um, and we're gonna be looking at that down many, uh, through many lenses. So. words to chew on well <laughs> thank you mr cutters this was excellent well thanks for the chance all right thanks nice talking with you thanks for listening to hii talking points this podcast was produced by huntington ingles industries corporate communications team we welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts at www.huntingtoningles.com slash podcast